Somebody who gave permission to his messenger, he appointed a messenger in order to perform Kiddushin, to receive Kiddushin on behalf of his daughter. His daughter was either a Katana, she was under the age of Bas Mitzah, or a Nara, between the age of 12 and 12 and a half years old. And so she was still under the authority of her father, and her father has the right and ability to receive Kiddushin on her behalf. If another man gives him Kiddushin in order to perform the Kiddushin on his daughter, it will be valid. And as we have seen, the father has the ability to appoint a messenger to receive the Kiddushin on behalf of his daughter. So he appointed this messenger, the Holachu Vikidsha. But then he himself, the father himself, went and received Kiddushin on behalf of his daughter from a different man. So it emerges that he and the messenger have both received Kiddushin on behalf of this of the man's daughter. And the question is, which of them is valid? So the mission says quite simply, Im Kodmu, if his came first, if the father received Kiddushin before the messenger received the Kiddushin, then Kiddushov Kiddushin, his Kiddushin will be the valid one. Whereas Im Shalshlucha Kodmu, Kiddushov Kiddushin, if the messenger's Kiddushin came first, then that is the valid Kiddushin. We don't say that once the father receives Kiddushin from somebody else, we see that as him retracting from appointing the person as a messenger, because it's already too late. She's already Mukudeshes to the person who the messenger received Kiddushin from. And therefore, as much as the messenger had the ability to perform the Kiddushin, so whichever Kiddushin came first, that is the valid one, and the other one is not valid at all, since the woman is already Mukudeshes to a different man by the time the second Kiddushin takes place. In your dua, if it is unknown which one took place first, Shneinus and Get, both men who performed Kiddushin, one of them gave it to the father of the daughter, and one of them gave it to the messenger, so both of these men must give her a Get. Vim Rotsu, if they wanted to, then Echonosh and Get, Vechod Koines, one of them could give her a Get, and then the other one could marry her. The point is, though, she is right now in the state of possibly being a Kodeshes to both of them. To one of them, but we're not sure which one. Now the Mishnah says the same goes to the opposite. The same applies to a woman who gave permission to uh, her messenger to receive Kiddushin on her behalf. So instead of her father doing it, she herself appointed the messenger. And then she went and received Kiddushin on her own behalf. If her Kiddushin came first, then certainly Kiddushin, her Kiddushin will be valid. But if her messenger's Kiddushin took place first, she received Kiddushin on her behalf first. Even in this case, Kiddushin, Kiddushin, her messenger's Kiddushin will be the valid one, and the Kiddushin which she herself received and performed will be invalid. Because at that time, she was already Makudeshes to the man who performed Kiddushin on, with her messenger. Many or and if it is unknown, then she knows not get, both of them will need to give her a get. Because she is possibly Makudeshes to each one of them, Vim Rotsu. And if they wanted to, then Echonis not get, Vechonis, one of them could give her a get, and then the other one would be able to marry her. Mishnah Yud. In Mishnah Ches, the Mishnah talked about somebody who claims that his son is a mamzer. And this Mishnah and the coming Mishnahs continue that general discussion about believing somebody about the status of his children and the status of his family members. And the Mishnah tells us that somebody who went abroad overseas together with his wife. And at that point, they didn't have any children. And later on, after a while, he returned together with his wife and his children. He now had some young children. And he claims that 
the woman who went out with me abroad, this is that same woman, and these are her children, to whom she gave birth after having relations with me. These are our children. Now, what is the use of this testimony? Why is he making this claim? So, it's important to establish their status. If we know that it is that woman and these are her children, then we know they are regular Jews. And if he were to uh, die, then she would be permitted to marry a Koyain. And either way, it would now establish the status of the children. So he makes this claim, and the Mishnah says, in Raya, he does not need to bring another proof. Not about the status of the woman, nor regarding the status of the children. And the Gemara explains we're talking about a specific case where the children are young, and they are, and they are clearly very close to their mother, and they're clinging on to her. So that in itself is a proof that they are her children. And one doesn't need to bring a raya proof regarding the woman, because it's the same woman who he went out with, who he left to abroad together with her. However, if he claims that she died, he comes back from abroad with the children without his wife who he went with. And he claims that she died, but these are her children who I had with her. In this case, so there's no proof that they're the children which he had with this woman. And therefore there is a concern that perhaps they might be a mamzer. We don't know what their status is and who their mother was, how they were born, and therefore he would need to bring a proof regarding the status of the children. For example, witnesses who testify that they are the children of his original wife, but he does not need to bring a proof regarding the woman. As soon as he can prove that these are the children of his wife, so we already know that the wife, her status is okay. From the fact that he even married her in the first place, he must have checked her status back then. But regarding the children, we need a proof that they are the children of this woman. What happens if somebody went went alone abroad and he comes back with a woman and children, a wife and children? Says the mission. He he claims that I married a woman while whilst I was abroad. Hari hisoi. This this is that woman. And these are her children. And again, the children are clinging to their mother. So that's already proof that as soon as we know what the state of the mother is, we can assume that the children are her children. And therefore the Mishnah says, maybe Raya Isha has to bring a proof regarding the woman, that she, her status is pure, etc. But it does not need to bring a proof regarding the children, that they are the children of this woman. However, if he comes back with children, say so he left to go abroad whilst he was not married at all, and he comes back with children without a wife, claiming that Mesa, she died, and these are her children. In this case, now he has to bring a proof regarding the woman's status, because we don't know who she is, and as well as that, and about the children, that they are indeed the children of that woman. Because they're not clinging to her, she's not here, and therefore there's also no evidence suggesting who their mother is, so he would need to bring proof that he married a woman of pure genealogy, and that these are her children who he had together with her. This Mishnah is not really related to the previous Mishnayas, but coming to the end of Masech's Kedushin and the end of Seder Noshim, this Mishnah discusses the halachas of Yichud. Yichud refers to being alone, a man being alone with a woman, and at its root, Yichud is a prohibition mid-Araisa. Mid-Araisa is forbidden to be alone in a house, in a room, with any of one's arias, one's relatives, who if you were to have relations with her, it would be punished by kores, the severe punishment of kores, being sort of cut off from Hashem as it were. And with arias, it's forbidden to even be alone with such a woman. 
The Mishnah will bring a couple of exceptions, for example, one, for example, one's mother, since there is very little concern that he'll have relations with his mother, he hasn't got such a, d- a desire for that, so that will be permitted. And it's important to know that Midir Bonon they expanded this prohibition of Yichud to any unmarried woman. And this Mishnah tells us that it's not only to be alone with one woman that's prohibited, but one is not allowed to be alone even with two women. Because even then there's a concern that he might be overcome by his desires and end up having relations either with both of them or with one of them and she wouldn't necessarily be so ashamed. The fact that there's another woman there wouldn't necessarily stop her being convinced to have relations with this man. So there's still a danger and therefore it will be forbidden. However, one woman is allowed to be alone with two men. Because there, there is not necessarily a concern that one of them is going to have relations with the woman, because they'll be ashamed to do it in front of the other man. The Gemara explains that that's not necessarily always the case, but two men who are considered to be very upright, etc., so we don't suspect them, and we assume they would indeed be very much ashamed of giving in to their desires and having relations illegally with this woman in front of another man. Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Shimon says, It's even permitted for one man to be alone with two women in a case where his wife is with him. Although Rabbi Shimon is talking about a case where his wife is the third woman, we're going to understand that's only because the Tanakhama talked about such a case. So he's just adding on that his wife is also there. But according to Rabbi Shimon, even if his wife is there, and there's only one other woman, that would also be permitted. To the extent that he would even be able to stay in the same inn, and in the same room, he could sleep together with both women in the same room, because his wife is guarding over him, and there's no way that he would end up having relations with this other woman as long as his wife is present. So according to Rishimon, as soon as one's wife is with him, there is no prohibition of Yichud at all. Now, ends of the Mishnah, although, as we said, there's a prohibition of Yichud together with a woman who is related to him, such that if he would have relations with her, it would be punished by Kores. The exception to that is, one is allowed to have Yichud together with his mother or his daughter, because there's not a concern that he's going to be overcome by a desire to have relations with them. That is not common at all. The Yoshinimoin Bekeir of Bosar, and he is allowed to sleep with them, even with having bodily contact. As is evident from the next part of the Mishnah, we're talking about a case where either his daughter is a young child, or he is a young child, and he's sleeping with his mother. So it will be permitted for even for them to have bodily contact when they are sleeping, and likewise it will be permitted for them to touch each other, even to show affection, such as hugging and kissing. This is permitted because of the lack of concern that they're going to end up having relations together. The Megdilu, however, once they've grown up and they are both above the age of Bar and Bas Mitzvah, at least that's how we're going to understand. So then, the man should only sleep with, sorry, the woman should sleep with her clothes and the man should sleep with his clothes on. And at that point, it is no longer appropriate that they sleep with bodily contact. They're still technically permitted to sleep together in the same bed or in the same room, but whilst they are wearing some clothes.